The upcoming episode of the Character Outs podcast discusses suicide. If you or someone you know is having suicidal thoughts or ideations, please do not be afraid or ashamed to get help. You are not alone and your presence here in this world is needed and wanted. Help is available 24-7. Dial 988 if you are struggling. no contact with your family like you don't talk to them at all nope because they're toxic as fuck are you also the villain for walking away from your toxic family in order to preserve your peace welcome to the character outs podcast where i am on a mission to normalize going no contact with toxic family welcome all you terrible people let's talk about it all right (laughs) Welcome back to the Character Outs Podcast. My name is Terry. I'm so happy you're here. It's a new year, and I have my friend with me today, Laura, by the way. She is a mom of three, life coach, and host of the podcast, Post Narc Life Podcast. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Welcome, Laura. Thank you so much for being here, and Happy New Year. Yes. Happy New Year, 2024. We are here. We made it. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Relax, Karens. It's ginger ale. God. All the Karens out there, look at these girls drinking. They have kids. It's two o'clock in the afternoon. It's ginger ale. But we put it in a nice glass, okay? Exactly. Anyways. Exactly. Happy New Year. You survived Christmas. We did it. We survived yeah. Christmas. We survived New Year's. We survived 2023. We did. We did. <laughs> I don't know about you, but it was a very intense year for me. Same girl. Same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same, same, same. There are some years that come to a close and you're like, oh, it's a really good year. And I mean, it was a good year, but like, I'm ready to see 2023 in the rear view. It was emotional. Was it emotional for you too? It was. It was a weird sort of year where it felt like just a dark night of the soul type year where it was Mm. just a lot of, it's the goo phase of the butterfly transformation. Like I wasn't a caterpillar, but I wasn't a butterfly. I was in the goo and it just kind of persisted for like months and months and months during that year. So I feel like I'm finally coming out of it. So I'm ready. I'm ready for 2024. Ready. (laughs) Do you have any special plans, any traditions that you do? Well, not in particular. We're going to do fireworks. We are going to do, we're just going to be together. We don't really have any crazy traditions, but. Yeah, same. I did do a, I did do a, 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 what do you call it? A, a little ritual type journaling session for the winter solstice on December 21st. So that was pretty cool. That's fun. I lit a candle and everything and basically all of my intentions for 2024 and really who I'm becoming and what I am feeling and what I am creating from a place of having already created it. It was really, really good. I liked it. That is beautiful. I'm going to do that as well. That is, I love that so much. Beautiful. So we spoke on the phone and it was Totally crazy. Your kids had come home. 
I was cooking dinner, um, yep. but we still managed to have this great conversation. And I think what really blew me away about you was your peaceful strength. And you will hear a little bit about Laura's story, but that's what struck me the most about you was just your strength and your peace and how you just stood in that strength and that space of this beautiful strength. And I know that that strength doesn't happen overnight. So I know that you had to do a lot of work and a lot of growing, but I was amazed at that. I was really amazed and, and taken back by how beautiful your countenance and your presence is. So wow, can, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I, I, I really mean it. It was just because sometimes when we get strong, we can have the tendency to be bitter and kind of, you know, I went through a season when I was strong where it was just like, oh, and I was really like edgy, you know? Totally. And so there's really a testament to the manifestation of growth when you speak to someone who's been through it and is healing and is strong, but also really calm and peaceful. So you really exude that. So Wow, thank you. Yeah, it, oh, it, it was definitely hard one for sure. A lot of work went into that. And I think the journey of bitterness and anger is a big part of that journey because I was there. Mm. I was in a bitter place at one point. I was in a dark or angry place. I wouldn't say that anger is necessarily dark, but when you really start to see things, it can be infuriating, but that oh. anger, that fury is so cleansing. It's, mm -hmm. it's I, I don't like to stay there for too long, but it's a beautiful place to be because you're reclaiming yourself and there's yeah, a, a powerful energy that comes from anger, you know, but if it, if it stays in the bitter place, you know, that's not going to serve you long-term, but it can serve you for a season. And, and it did for me. Um, but eventually I moved out of it and now I'm in a, a totally different place. And like you said that, yeah, there is a lot of peace, but it is, it was a lot of work to get there for sure. Yeah. Well, congratulations. And I know it's, it's, it's a, a lifelong process. I say all the time that, you know, having a toxic family never feels normal. You just ha kind of have to muddle through and embrace each emotion and walk through it. So if you wouldn't mind walking through your story, telling us a little bit about you and your past, your experience. Yeah. So I was born and raised in New Orleans, Louisiana, which is, has a special place in my heart. I live in Texas now and I was raised by two wonderful people. My mom, unfortunately did have a lot of narcissistic tendencies, really strong, uh, personality disorder type tendencies. And I would also say really strong sort of emotional immaturity in certain ways, which came out very type a lot like being a narcissist and so that was just my norm and it was like my mom and my grandmother and my great-grandmother there's alcoholism and drug addiction you know I, I didn't find out until later in life that my mom was actually dealing with drug addiction but I didn't know oh. when I was younger and I, and to the 
to be honest, I don't know the full extent to this day of the demons that she battled. She kept everything really hidden. You know, it's like that facade. They keep the facade on and there's yeah. a lot going on behind there. And, you know, her narrative is just not to be trusted generally. <laughs> yeah. And so there's a lot I still don't know about what she struggled mm -hmm. with. But, um, you know, and, and I know that she really did a lot of work to undo how she was raised with us. But unfortunately, a lot came through, which affected me negatively. And I mean, I went through a journey. I didn't realize what was going on until I was in my, gosh, mid 20s. And it was like, wait a second. Well, hold on. Is this not normal that I have this kind of relationship with my mom where she has these weird expectations of me and I'm afraid of her and I'm like people pleasing her, but I didn't have any of that vocabulary. I had no awareness. Yeah. I just thought yeah. this is how it is. And she and I have a really special close relationship. Um, so funny. Isn't that strange? It's because that's it's, exactly how it was for me. Yeah. What was your pivotal eye-opening moment that you were like, wait a minute. Oh, it was a few. One of them was I was talking to her on the phone in front of one of my good friends that I still love to this day. And she, my mom had married her fifth husband. So this was number five. Right. And she was complaining to me about how miserable she was in this marriage. You know, she hated him. She was telling me all the terrible things about him. It was really bad. And I'm, as I typically did for her, comforting her, telling her it's going to be okay, or, you know, trying to make her feel better. And one of the things that she said was, like she ins she insinuated that she was only in this marriage because I wasn't taking care of her. Like I wasn't ready or, you know, I was in my twenties. I was just barely married, fresh married. And I wasn't in a place where I could provide for her financially. And so she implied that it was like on the only option that she had because I wasn't taking care of her. <laughs> and I thought this was normal. And I was like, I know, right. I mean, just give me some more years. Like we'll get there. We're going to, we're going to take care of you. Just be patient. I was bought in hundred percent. And my friend listening to this was utterly shocked. So I got off the phone and she was just like, wait a second, hold on. What is happening? Is your mom blaming you for being in a marriage that she hates? Did I just hear that? And I was like, I'm, wait, what? No, 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 maybe? It really just, it shattered my world for a minute. And I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, that's not an easy thing to receive. You probably got a little mm -hmm. annoyed at your friend, like, shut up. Everything's fine. <laughs> I don't, I don't remember if I did or not. I, I, maybe I did. I don't know, but I remember just being like my, like a seismic earthquake had just happened in my yeah. brain. Hold on. Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. Because at no point ever in my entire life up until that point, was it ever okay to question anything my mom said or did or yeah. to like mm -hmm. doubt or criticize anything like she, everything she did was perfect. Nothing she did was wrong. And so for that to be like a witness of someone seeing it in action and calling it out to me just like that without any agenda, right? She has no agenda. She has yeah, no dog no. in that fight. So right. I'm just like, Oh, hold on. And at the time I was also taking psychology classes. I got my degree in psychology 
you know, can't imagine why, <laughs> why I was so attracted to psychological <laughs> study anyway. And there was this class that I was in that talked about dysfunctional families and they were talking about it very textbooky, very matter of fact, and all of the facts that they went through, a dysfunctional family does this, 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 and this is typically the traits. And I was like, wait, stop, wait a second, <laughs> hold on. That's my family. Wait, what's happening? So Stop just it. explosions of awareness happening. I call it like an awakening. And that's what happens with me and my clients. A lot of times we'll be working on stuff and then they start to see that narcissism is kind of everywhere in their life. It's in their spouse, but also probably their mom or dad or siblings. And they're just like, oh no, it's the awakening. And I was having the awakening and it was so painful and very confusing oh. And then terrifying on top of that, because now I've got to lie to my mom and I've got to pretend like everything's okay. And because yeah, right. Yeah. There's no way I'm ever going to bring this up to her or work on it. Yeah. Right. You know, I would never, and you knew that inherently, you knew that oh, inherently. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Like you don't call mom out. You don't question anything. No. She said, I did that no. a couple of times as a kid and I got <laughs> plenty of, uh, punishment for that. So it was a really weird time, but I was married and still am married to the same person at the time, but we were just barely married and bless his heart. I had a lot of narc traits when we were first married. I didn't know. I just thought I was being normal. Same. <laughs> you should talk to my, my first husband. Oh yeah. <laughs> He'll be oh, like, yeah. She was a narc. It's yes. so true though. It's just. And I feel like I'm, I don't really feel a lot of guilt about it anymore, but Good. at the time I had no idea what was happening. I was just on instinct running on survival, but my husband is right. so awesome. He like, doesn't put up with it for a second. He's just like, yeah, no. Like if I try to guilt him into something, he doesn't even connect with that. He's like, no, I'm not doing that. And, and you're yeah. fine. <laughs> don't you love that? I feel like we need oh. that. Like for, for me, oh. I need that in my life. Well, for sure. Like, I'm a strong woman, time. but I need that in my life. I need someone to be like, bitch, no. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Thank you. But at the time, I was so pissed at him. I was like, you obviously yeah. don't love me. Clearly. <laughs> Clearly, he wanted a mm -hmm. divorce. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, this isn't going to last if you're going to treat yeah. me like this. <laughs> oh, man. It was. Oh, gosh. Oh, bless his heart. He, but he's great. Like, he didn't feel abused at all, even though I was throwing stuff at him. He was so happy and still is. He's just a happy guy that Aww. lives his life. He can say no to people. Literally, almost everything that I have learned that I work with my clients on, I just learned from watching him because he can wow. just say no. That's so beautiful. And, and not have any problems with it. And it was so frustrating when we were first married. I was so pissed off at him. But now I'm so grateful that he was exactly yeah. who he was. And he didn't change himself for me. You know? I love that. Such a gift. And so I, yeah, I went through a lot of like self-discovery and yeah. figuring things out. And it's wonderful to have a healthy person by your side. And I don't know how yeah. I got lucky to do that. I was definitely in a lot of toxic relationships before I found him. Right. Yeah. That was my next question. I was like, how do you think you had the wherewithal to choose wisely, you know, to not be attracted to what you came from? 
Well, I, that's the thing though. I was attracted to what I came from. My, all of my relationships, I was drawn to that high drama, that high, high, low, yeah. low intensity. And I thought that's what I wanted. And I met, my husband's name is Ryan. I met Ryan and he was none of those things. And mm -hmm. he was interested in me for some reason. And I wasn't <laughs> interested in him. I totally rejected him. I was like, you're cute. You're nice, but I'm just but not But you're boring it. because you're not you're dramatic and toxic. Boring. <laughs> exactly. You're boring. Yes. I was like, I don't have any, what is this? We just sit here. Right? And... <laughs> Where's the love bombing? Why aren't you walking out the door? Where's the love bombing? Where's the talk until 3 a.m. on the phone? Where's the jealousy? Right? Where's the intensity? Yeah. I need it. Where's mm, the, that's the, so where's interesting. The and the, and yeah. the low-key criticism and the, why, don't, why am I not having to prove anything to you? This is yeah. so boring. What are we doing? I, I bet you felt any... the need. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> well, I just, it's so funny because I, I didn't have any awareness of that. All I knew was what I was feeling, what I wasn't feeling. I was expecting a, a certain thing and I thought that was right, but I didn't have the words to describe it. You know, I, yeah. like, I don't know why I don't like him. I just, I'm not feeling it. That's all I could say about it. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> Poor guy. Oh, we could probably do a whole episode on that because it really is amazing that you stuck with it and didn't just run and get out of there because that's our MOs to make some chaos so around here. I did. I did run from it. I said, Hey, we're, we're done. Thank you for the good times, <laughs> but I got to move on. Broke his heart. was really sad. I went on to date other people who were a lot more quote unquote attractive to me and had some like really eye-opening experiences. And then I swear to you, I, I believe it's divine intervention because he got a nudge where he was like, you need to ask Laura out again. You need to go try again. And he was like, uh -oh. she literally rejected me. What, what are we doing? But he followed uh -oh. that nudge and he asked me out again. And I was confused when he asked me out again. I was like, I'm sorry, you're doing this. Why? Like, I'll be happy to go and get a free dinner that's your fault yeah. if you're asking me on a Good date when you know you. <laughs> when you know that it, I don't want you. Anyway, it was so funny. And here's you the were thing honest. that happened. I was honest. I was honest. And he was honest oh. too. And yeah. that was also kind of like a breath of fresh air that I appreciated later. Yeah. But he didn't play games. He was just yeah. like, hey, I'd like to take you out sometime. I like you. Mm. <laughs> No. I was used to like all the games and I yeah. was, it was very refreshing. And I like, honestly, I didn't even know what to do with like all the honesty. <laughs> like yeah. you're supposed to lie to me. What's happening. So yeah. anyway, so we had this really great date experience where I just was, everything changed because I had this thought like, wait a second, what if he isn't boring? What if he's <laughs> just peaceful and I just wow. feel safe and at home with him. And when I accepted that, it was like, oh, now I see what's happening. And I was able to feel really connected with him and attracted to him in a totally different way. And I felt so safe and it was just the most wow. beautiful thing. It was so beautiful. And it 
continues to be beautiful and it continues to get better. Like our relationship Aww. ages like a fine wine, like a Aww, congratulations, you know, it's, right? It's like, oh, wow. I didn't know that was possible because yeah. of all the divorce I experienced growing up. And I yeah. saw my mom go through toxic relationship after toxic relationship, and she never took accountability for it. So I never felt like it was in our power. I always thought like, oh, it just happens to you and you can't control it. And my yeah. mom was just a, a sad victim of all these terrible men. When in reality, she was choosing them and she was very much creating the narcissist dynamic as much right. as any of the other ones were, right? Like, so it was just- right. I see that now, but as a child, I couldn't see that. I just saw her as of this course. victim of all these terrible things. And I felt like I was going down a path where, and this is true too. I'm, I don't know about you. I'm really connected to the universe, to Heavenly Father. And I had this thought before I ever met Ryan and I was praying and I was like, I see this path. I'm going to find someone toxic. I don't know why. I don't know how to stop it. I, I, but I need help, like help me do this. And I had this wow. amazing, like, how old were I, you? Oh gosh. I would have been 20, 21, I think. Baby. Maybe. Yeah. I was a baby. baby. So I, I, I had an extraordinary awareness for my age yes. and for what I had been yes. given. Yes. I, I, I give myself that, like I had an extraordinary awareness, uh, but I, I couldn't, I didn't have vocabulary for it. I didn't have any vision for it. I just knew I knew it was going to happen, that I was going to find a toxic person and that I was going to live my life. And I didn't want that, but I didn't know how to stop it. And so I asked for divine intervention and I think it came through. <laughs> like wow. divine intervention came through. It's, it sucks dealing with narcs. It sucks so bad. It's yeah. terrible. And we aren't given the tools to deal with it. We, no. we don't talk about it very much. I mean, thankfully there's a lot of that going on now, there's more and more people talking about it. And that's really, really good. But I think we are just barely scratching the surface. Uh, the narcissist has totally and insidiously taken over our hearts and our souls and our brains and our minds and how we think and how we view the world. Untwisting all of that can be an interesting and very tedious process. Okay. So I just, I think for so many years, I always felt shame associated with my journey. And then I realized that, you know, my scars make me who I am. My scars make me beautiful. Even the things I did that I'm not proud of, guess what? It led me to where I am today. And the antithesis of the narcissist is self-reflection. And to be able to look back and say, yeah, well, yeah, that was kind of a messed up thing to do, but I learned from it and that's all that matters. And I think the the tool of the narcissist to, to shame us, which then leads to silencing us, is where our power lies. Our power lies in starting with embracing who we are, embracing our story, embracing our journey, and leaning into everything that happened to us, leaning into the emotions, leaning to the healing. And that's such a beautiful concept because I think there's such a misnomer about no contact where it's just like, oh, we're just not dealing with it. Mm, no friends. We are dealing with it. Actually, it's our toxic families that aren't dealing with anything, you know? Yes, exactly. And I think 
so many times when we make that choice to say, you know what, I'm done with this relationship. I'm going no contact. It's time to break it away officially. The narc in their life is going to be like, oh, you're punishing me. Oh, you're trying to ruin everything. You're ruining Christmas. You're ruining the family. You're destroying, you're Mm -hmm. breaking the family apart. Like all Mm -hmm. of those things. When in reality, there's no self-reflection happening of them Mm -hmm. saying, huh, they must be going through something really intense in order for them to make such a drastic decision. But no, they're never going to have that kind of thought. It's always going to be, what are you doing to me? How are you victimizing me? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But but it's kind of an interesting thing too, because the narc will do that too. The narc will uh, emotionally abandon you. And so when you go no contact, that's them saying, oh yeah, you're abandoning me. I've played that game before. I know how to suck you back in. I know how to make you feel guilty when they'll turn around and use that exact same tool against you at any time, right? And in, in various yep. forms. And so correct. when you have the, the thought process, mm-hmm. it's never a poof, I, it's, I'm going to do that. It's going to be easy. No, right. they agonize over that. It's like, mm-hmm. how can I possibly leave my family? How can I do that yeah. to them? I'm being selfish. I'm being the jerk, right? They've got yeah. the ticker tape that yep. they've been trained to have. Yep. And when they finally do go no contact, there's so much peace. They're finally able to rebuild and it's, but it's still, they still have to feel grief. You know, it's yeah. not easy to leave your mom no matter how right. toxic she is, because, and this is true for many narc relationships, there's always good times, right? There's good yes. times and bad times. And when you cut it all off, it, you cut off all the good times too. And that's not going to yeah. be easy. And then on top of that, at it, you know, it's your mother or like a very right. significant family member. Mm-hmm. That is deep, deep stuff. You know, the, the severing the connection with someone who brought you into this world. Right is deep, no matter how toxic they are. So it, it's a very brave decision to, I'm so glad to you said no that. I think more people need to know that it's a brave decision. It's not weak. It it's not villainous. It is brave. So is. brave. I mean, literally changing the future. And if you have kids, you are changing everything going, going forward and going down in the generation. So, yeah. So exactly. happy you said that. Yeah. But even if you're no contact, you cut them off forever. Guess what you still have to do? You still have to deal with the survival brain that you developed in order to survive all the emotional abuse. So your own brain is going to tell you narky stuff. Like you're not good enough. The image in the mirror isn't beautiful enough. You're, you know, that person's mad at you. You have to go fix it, right? Like there's work to do (laughs) because there's the narc outside of you. And then there's the narc that you had inside of your brain to anticipate their behavior, anticipate their abuse. And you tend to abuse yourself ahead of time thinking this is an opportunity. Your narc is an opportunity to grow in a way that nobody else can to overcome something so intense that not everybody is doing. Yeah. And it can be the source of so much abundance in your life. Like how yes. you, how you handle your narcissist is how like that same pattern is how you can go and create six figures in your business, a million dollars in your business, or you can use that same pattern to go create your healthy person and draw them into your life so that you can have break that cycle. You know, it's, it's so amazing. I really admire you for preaching that message because 
it is about redemption. You know, we can't walk through this life being in this victim mentality because they, the narcissist has taken enough from us. Like she's not going to take any more. She doesn't get any more. My dad doesn't get any more. My brother doesn't get any more of me. My stepmom gets no more of me, which means I, like you said, I feel like that's why I often, and I've talked about it on the podcast before, I often battle with um, people who say, oh, you know, my toxic family didn't make me stronger. They gave me PTSD and they put me on anxiety and depression medication, this and that, which I agree. Yep, okay. I've seen that. It's true. I, I mean, I, they're not wrong. I, they're not wrong. <laughs> but I feel like there's a next page because there's yes, they oh. did, but that's not where the story ends. The story can't end there. The story ends with, I am going to redeem this. I am going to live the best life because I, it's true. And I think you can agree. I am strong in ways because of my toxic family, just like you said, that no one else had access to. It was like, we had equipment at the gym, the elite VIP equipment at the gym. <laughs> we have this extra yes. superpower strength that no one else has. And like, I just feel like we have to look at it like that. Otherwise we're just sad and depressed and you know what I mean? Like we just have to 100%. redeem it. We have to. Yes. I like to use the word alchemize. Like we take mm. this substance that is toxic and nasty and through our own inner magic, because we are all magical creatures, we alchemize it into gold, into diamonds, into things that serve us. And I think that's so possible. It really is. See? This is why I love you. And I'm so happy you're here. This was the exact energy that we had on the phone that night was even in yes. the midst of all of our chaos. And I could hear your babies in the background. And my husband's like, who are you talking to? I'm like, just a second. Um, yes, that is so beautiful and powerful. And, and really, like we were saying, our number one goal is to not be anything like the narc in our life or the toxic family member in our life. So that's not what they're doing. <laughs> you know. So nope. I, even raising my kids, I would always be like, okay, how would my mother handle this? Let me do it the exact opposite. The That's opposite. how I'm going to live my life. You know? <laughs> so truly it's like taking, I love the alchemy perspective. It's so beautiful. I love that. So true. And it's so motivating too. Sometimes yes. it's really hard, you know, to like do the hard it's, it's hard to yeah. choose the higher road because I, so often I still want to be the victim. I still want to yeah. like blame stuff outside of me. That feels so yeah. good. I know. You don't and have sometimes to like take I do. Sometimes I, I'll eat ice cream and be like, this really sucks. <laughs> I'm like, you got, you got to set a timer and be like, okay, I'm, I'm out of that space now. We gotta be, exactly. gotta be out of that space. You definitely can give space to yourself. I love that. That's so true. But it, but what motivates me a lot of times is, so my mom's passed now, which we can talk about here in a second, but what, what can kind of give me that extra push to kind of really make the better choices is to think about my mom and how she never made that choice. Well, I don't know yeah. if she never did. I don't want to be unfair, but she, she didn't make those choices for herself. And when I make those choices for myself, I'm like breaking the cycle. I yes. am. There's, there's some cosmic magic. Car I agree. I just got chills. I totally agree yes. with you. Totally yes. agree with you. 
and that's really where our me. power lies too. It's it's an mm-hmm. empowering feeling, right? Yes, it really uh, really is. But it's also yes. humbling, you know, because it's mm-hmm. like, oh, I know, I still have so much work to do. I'm oh. so not perfect, you know. Absolutely. I have to apologize to my kids all the time. Apologize to my husband just yesterday. Like that was bitchy. I'm really sorry. I did same. That. I did the same thing. I was- <laughs> like, I'm sorry, babe. That was not cool. <laughs> I know. And your husband sounds like mine, just like salt of the earth, just the sweetest yes. man, salt kindest man earth. you'll ever meet. And he's like, why'd you apologize? I'm like, cause it was really bitchy. Like I shouldn't have said that. And he's like, hmm, it's okay. Aww. Like, why do they love us so much? I think that's another thing that we can grapple with too. Like, how do you love me so much? I say that to him all the time. Like, how do you, how do you, I'm a bitch, a full on bitch sometimes. Like, how do you love me? You know, and that's the narc talk, right? Like it's, exactly. it's tough to break that record in your head record. I just it dated really myself. Is. Oh my God. Just totally dated myself. He <laughs> said record. Listen, I have my mother's <laughs> record player and all, all of her records and I play them regularly. I love records. Superior. Yeah. So it it's, one of the things I wanted to talk about on the, this episode today is, so I talked about how my mom passed. So she actually in 2021, so about two, almost three years ago, she passed away by suicide. <sighs> and it's one of those things that obviously I don't like to shout it from the rooftops and talk about it 24 seven, but I do like to talk about it because narcissism in its extreme form are constantly in pain solving mode without being willing to look at the pain. And so it leads to addiction and sometimes addictions can lead to suicide or other things. And so it, it's, it it can really get dark. It can really get bad, you know, when it, when narcissism is unchecked and you'll notice as you get older and as your mom gets older, as parents get older, who never look at it, like their mental health will continue to deteriorate. Like it doesn't get better. They just get more intense. And it's almost like a, like an emotional Alzheimer's. And that's kind of like what she died from. It's an emotional Alzheimer's where she, she decided, all right, enough's enough. Like I'm in pain. It's never going away. And I'm going to be in ultimate control. And I don't know exactly what her thought process was at the end. Who knows what was really happening, but for me to have experienced the loss of a parent in that way, the depth of that grief and the intensity of that dark sort of end has created space for me to help others from such a powerful place because so many are coming at this from so much fear, fear of the kind of grief that I have already passed through. And that grief, when you're forced to pass through it Mm -hmm. and then you get on the other side and everyone else is like really afraid of it, it was in I I was in therapy for two years after she passed because I believed it was my fault and I believed that I could have stopped it. Absolutely. And I I held on to those beliefs for a long, long time. My brain would not Mm. let go of those beliefs, but eventually they did. Eventually I was able to release that. And I feel so much more at peace with the decision that my mom made for herself. And I, and I think 
I don't know what her thought process was at the end, if she was doing it intentionally to hurt us or if she was just out of her mind, we don't know, but the, just the intense loss has taught me so much about what I know that I could, I could, well, let me phrase it this way. Now that I've been on the other side of this, because I have a lot of clients who are afraid of their parents dying and a lot of that stuff. I think, you know, if she were still alive today, I know that I could be in contact with her and it would not be a problem for me. It would not be painful. It would not be a struggle. I would simply enjoy her in all of her narkiness and it would not affect me in the least. And I would have boundaries and I would say no, and I wouldn't feel guilty about it. And she would like do her narc stuff. And I would just, yep, that's mom. I just love her. And it's, I'm not saying that it's what everyone should do, mm -hmm. but it's such a fascinating perspective, you know? And cause she was always going to do this. There was, right. it was always going to yeah. happen. Right. And there was nothing I could have done to stop it. There was nothing anybody could have done to stop it. And when it comes to people that we love who are being narky, you start to see that it all comes from a wounded place. Mm, and totally. when you heal your own wounds, you can't be wounded in the way that they're trying to. It's a really a strange place, but a beautiful place to be. And that's kind of, I don't think that everyone necessarily should be there. I'm not there hundred percent of the time with everyone in my life. I have another family member who I, I need at least three more years of therapy <laughs> to be able to get to that place with her. Um, but cause that, that's a, woof, that, that, that is heavy right there. But at least with my mom, I've created a lot of beautiful things out of such a heavy, difficult thing. And yeah, good so for you. I'm proud of you. To enjoy that. It can't have been easy to walk through. I'm so sorry you had to deal with that and walk through those emotions. Yeah, it was brutal. Mm -hmm. But what an inspiration of... that you made it. You're here, you're on the other side, and now helping other people. So that's inspirational. Yep. I. What's really fun is I'm working on a new relationship with my mom. So I don't know for sure if we continue to exist after we die. I believe that we do, but I don't know for sure. But it's really fun to imagine a relationship with someone on the other side and them knowing the truth about everything. I remember when I was a kid, I would be so afraid of my mom dying. Not necessarily because... Yeah, same. Yeah, because she was going to be gone, which was a big thing. Yeah. But also because she was going to know all of my inner thoughts. She was going to mm -hmm. know how I really felt about things and it would hurt her. Yeah. And it would be so offensive and terrible. And, and it's just funny. I had that fear. And so now that she's on the other side and she can't do any weird stuff to me, I get to relate to her in exactly the way that I choose to. Yeah. And so that's a really healing way to do it, you know? Like, again, I yeah. don't know if it's real. It's not like I'm thinking she's real necessarily, but it's the imagination of what would my mom be thinking if she could talk to me, but she, or sorry, if she could see me, but can't talk to me, right. if she can see with 
full perspective, everything, how would that be like if she were healed? And because I really think that narcissism is, it's a disability. It's something that oh yeah, I agree. We are yeah, like it's like a it's like a brain sort of limitation. And I agree. I say that die, all the time about my mom. She can't get out of her own way, and it's yes, breaks my heart. It yes, exactly. They literally can't see it. No. So I tell my clients all the time. I'm like, you're. It's like you're asking someone with no arms yeah. to hold right. you. And they can't yeah. hold you. And you're like, why won't you hold me? Because they yeah. have no arms. <laughs> right. You're not going to get that need met. It's just, it's not right. available. Right. And so, but if she's on the other side, that disability is gone. Just like if someone who is deaf passes away, that disability is gone. So if her disability is gone and now she's a new version of herself, what would that relationship be like with that person who knows everything, remembers everything? and yeah. has had that um disability lifted from her it's fun mm -hmm. i kind of that's really I enjoy it <laughs> i love that you stepped into kind of an alternate means of coping and healing because however you deal with whatever relationship that toxic relationship that you have in your life whether you're low contact no contact whether they've passed i think it's really brave to flip the script and rewrite the narrative in order to cope. I think that's really beautiful. And I think it's really beautiful that it's non-conformative either. It's not like something you <laughs> read in a book, like, okay, do this. It's interesting. Right. I, I did meet with a medium um, with my cousin and it was, it's my cousin from my dad's side. So it's my dad's brother's daughter. Yeah. Um, and my uncle recently passed away. And so we met with a medium and I asked, oh, uh, my uncle was there and we were speaking to him about the whole situation that had happened with my father. And the medium said that he was just like going like this, just shaking his head because he was estranged from my dad um, when he passed as well. And my dad had pretty much cut him off. And so my, I think my cousin said, you know, what do you, dad, what do you think about everything that's going on with, with Terry and her dad? And the medium stepped in and said, because she was one of those who could like contact from the other side, but also like see. And she said, this is something that will never be fixed here on earth. She said, um, but I can tell you that he's going to get to this side and he's going to be all of a sudden filled with regret. And he's going to wish he could have done things differently. Yeah. So again, whether you subscribe to that or not, that I, I do, I'm a Christian, but I also believe in that. I'm really weird that way. Um, but it was I'm with so you. like, I'm with you. <laughs> you know, I know there's not many yeah. of us out there. Cause it's like, you either have to be go to church every Sunday and yeah, that's a whole nother podcast for us. It's right? a whole other <laughs> podcast. We can talk about narcs in church all day. I'm, I'll tell you. <laughs> it's a yeah. thing. Yeah, mine is uh, church hopping probably right now. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> yep. Uh, but it was so healing because in some ways I was like, it, the weight was kind of lifted. Like, all right, I'm yeah. never going to get a phone call from him ever 
saying, I'm sorry, I'm never going to get that. And I kind of knew that. So, but, but still it was healing. I don't know how I feel. I'll feel when he dies. I don't think anybody can really project and, and, you know, say how we're going to feel, but yeah. So you cannot possibly predict that terrible moment. Um, but what I can say is it will be very complicated. There will be lots of, of surprising emotions that you're going to feel. Yeah. And like you said earlier, which I thought was really beautiful. You're just like all the emotions that come with it and being like being willing to embrace whatever emotion comes up in the healing journey. That's when that happens. Yeah. When you allow that, it's okay. You don't have to be in resistance or feel guilt about any of the feelings that you have. Yeah. I think when I first started my no contact journey, I was so afraid to have empathy for my mom or Mm -hmm. to embrace her trauma um, or even think about any of the good times that we had, even embrace sadness. I, that scared the crap out of me because our knee jerk reaction is we feel bad. We got to pick up the phone and call. We got to fix it, you know, cause that's what yep. would draw me back to her every time. And every time with my yep. mom's just, it ends in the discard. So I just have, I had enough, you know, but yep. But yeah, you're so right. Like just walking through all of the emotions of all of it helps our healing, helps our strength and helps us to own who we are and our power on this journey. So exactly. And I feel like that. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that that is, that is the key. Like that, if there is one thing that I could preach from the rooftops that every person dealing with a narcissist and I would like, could, could, could learn deeply is that the narcissist's power is in your unwillingness to feel an emotion. And when you decide I am willing to feel guilt, sadness, loss, Mm. grief, shame, if I'm willing to feel that and not act on it, you have broken any power that the narcissist has over you. They rely on you being so uncomfortable in that feeling that you are motivated to do the thing, to say the thing, to make Mm -hmm. the narc happy, right? They rely on your unwillingness to feel that emotion. And so when you're, when they're doing their narc stuff at you and they're saying the stuff to you, like, how dare you? Or you're such a bad daughter or, you know, why doesn't, why aren't you like your sister? Like stuff like that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They want, they're trying to inspire an emotion inside of your body. And in, mm-hmm. if you're willing Which to say, Ooh, I so feel, many times, I know it's so good. They are so good at it. They are masters <sighs> of what they do because they know what pain is and they're probably been raised that way too. It's a whole cycle anyway. Yeah. agree. But they, if you can identify the thinking, if you can identify the sensation in your body and you're willing to Which say to yourself, is so real, right? Like, even as we're talking about it, look at my so shoulders. Look at real. Yes. It's so real. Right? I'm like, oh my God. No, just relax. She's not around. She has no power over me. She has no control (laughs) over me. It's fine. Everything's fine. It's crazy because we were hardwired as children, which Mm -hmm. is, blows my mind. It blows blows my my mind mind too. Mm -hmm. And we, we as children, because we were children, we're like, oh no, this feeling is so big. I'm going to die if I, if this feeling stays. Uh, this is not tolerable. I have to make this feeling go away as fast as possible. And the yep. fastest way to make this feeling go away is to say the thing, do the thing. And yep. then it does go away. 
And then you feel better and you feel relief and you feel like everything is safe again. And then that, that little system is solidified so deeply that you yep. then do it without thinking. And then it's just how you live your life. And yeah, when you have to even look thinking. at it. Yes. Mm-hmm. I have chills right now because you're so yes. right. We don't even, it's such <laughs> an innate knee jerk mm-hmm. response that like you said, when you're, when you hung up the phone and your friend was like, hmm, Laura, you know, that was not normal, right? You know, moms don't <laughs> act like that, right? Like what? when it finally, like, no. like, like you were saying, it's like, wait, wait, what, what, what? Hard mm-hmm. to comprehend, hard to wrap your head around. Exactly. And then Pandora's box yep. and then you start diving in and it's like, oh, well, Oof. hmm. It's so intense. And my mom, like she could sense it too, that that was happening. And she, of course, hated it. And that's what was frightening because she knew you. Our moms know us. They know us. Well, Mm -hmm. my mom doesn't know me anymore. Thank you very much. Well, they know the version of us that we created to stay safe. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. Fucking God, yes. And then when we become a different version, we've lost our minds. Exactly. You, you've changed. Crap. You're different. Yes. What's wrong with you? Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. <gasps> Say it again. Say that again. <laughs> so amazing. Yes. They know the version of us that we created in order to stay safe and keep them happy. I remember that dawned on me during that time when I was like, whoa, what is happening? It dawned on me like, oh my gosh, my mom doesn't actually know me. She doesn't know me. (gasps) It was Do I even know myself? Do I even know my freaking self? Exactly. I don't even know myself. Oh. All I know is this weird version of me that I invented. Yes, 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 and yes. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like having realize... confetti right now. I know, seriously. Explosions. Amazing. New Year's Amazing. fireworks. <laughs> and then you realize because they don't actually know you, they don't actually love you. Yep. Like you're not that was hard to process. being loved. It's extremely hard to process because this person who has been telling you your whole life, I love you so much. I love you more than anybody. I will do anything for you. You're my best friend. You're my best friend. Exactly. I put you first. Know you and therefore doesn't love you. It's really fascinating. And then everybody, and then you start seeing it everywhere. Like you, all the people you've been people pleasing, everyone that you've been like inventing a version of yourself for, they don't actually love you. They love the fake version of you. And you're like, it's, it's a strange form of loneliness. I talk about this with my clients too, because one of the biggest fears my clients have is loneliness. And I'm like, no, you're not dealing with loneliness. Loneliness is not that painful. Lo- like being alone and missing someone around. Oh, it's like, oh, wouldn't that be nice to have someone around or like, oh, I miss it. It's so deep and they will do anything to avoid it. That's not loneliness. That's abandonment. That's a totally Ooh. different ball game. And when you have a, been abandoned, 
you abandon yourself in order to survive that situation. And that form of abandonment is such a deep sense of loneliness, a deep sense of emptiness, because you Mm -hmm. don't even love yourself. You don't even know yourself. You don't even, you're not even with yourself. And so when you decide, okay, I'm going to feel this emotion and I know she's guilting me and I know I can kind of work with the thought on that, but I'm just going to feel this guilt right now. That is you not abandoning yourself. That's you coming Mm -hmm. back to yourself and saying, I Mm -hmm. am with me as I process this feeling of guilt. I witness myself. I say, Hey, guilt, you belong here. You and I are together right now. And there's something so magical about that. It is so healing to say, Hey, emotion, I love you. I hear you. I agree. We're together for a minute. Right. What we, but the narcissist dynamic is to avoid all emotion at all costs, no matter what. Right. 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 So that's to kind of bring that full that. circle. That's how you break that. And it's, it's, it's a practice and it's not easy, but as you yeah. master it, you set yourself free and there's nothing yeah. the narc can do to hurt you. Isn't it amazing? I agree. I agree. Because even when you are no contact, like you were saying, you still have the mm-hmm. repetition of the narc mind and what they've said to you and your immediate responses and you're responsible. And then you transpose on that onto your friends and, oh, well, I'm responsible for this. I'm responsible for that. And you carry yep. the toxic MOs into your relationships and with your kids, with your spouse. It's like, so it has a trickle down effect. Even if you're not in that relationship, those healing methods are imperative for our exactly. growth. Absolutely yep. imperative. Ooh. And it is so nice. It's so scary to sit with an emotion though, right? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And face it. Cause when we were kids, no one taught us that it was safe to feel that emotion. Yeah. So we don't realize that it's safe. We're just like, it's like the kid, you know, who's hanging for dear life on the pole or on the string. And if you just like put his feet down on the floor, he'll be like, oh, it's fine. Right. But he thinks he's about to fall 500 feet to his death. Right. That's what it feels like when we're like, okay, let's face the emotion. Right. Really? It's fine. It's, yeah, it's not comfortable. It doesn't feel good. But yeah. it's like just processing it out. I think we're in high resistance to it. So resistance is something that can get in the way of that, where you're just like, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to. And then it kind of yeah. drags it out further. But if you can drop the resistance and just connect with the sensation in your body, like what yeah. is that sensation? Is it a yes. heaviness? Is it a, a a tenseness? Is it a tightness? Is it in your shoulders? Is it in your chest? Is it in your neck? Is it in your Mm -hmm. low back? Where is it? What color is it? Is it orange? Is it green? Mm -hmm. Is it dark blue? What texture is it? Is it wavy? Is it spiky? Is it, you know, fuzzy? You know, and if you can like ask yourself those, that question while the emotion is in there, it's not nearly as bad as you think it is. That's really beautiful. That is really powerfully beautiful because again, it puts us in the driver's seat. It doesn't put the emotion in the driver's seat. We're looking yes. at that emotion going, I see you. I'm not running from you. I'm going to face <laughs> you. And we're going to get past this. You know? Yes, exactly. Oh. And then you don't do the thing yeah. outside of you. And so you're saving yourself a lot of the other stuff. Yeah. So good. Totally retraining our minds and our hearts and our path and our destiny like we were saying 
and like, as you go through it, you're better equipped to take your kids through that process yeah. and teach them it's actually safe to feel what you're feeling right now. You're feeling a yeah. lot of disappointment in your body, right? Or you're feeling a yeah. lot of like they feel a lot of injustice a lot of the time. Like, yeah. At least my kids do. They're just like, mom, it's not fair. I just work so hard. And my brother just sits around does nothing. And there's this like big feeling in his body and I, I can help him identify that. And he doesn't have to be afraid of it. And it's, it's so amazing. I know. My son's been yelling at the magnetiles lately because they're not <laughs> sticking together correctly. No. Like you magnetiles. <laughs> <laughs> But it's beautiful as we parent, though, because, you know, my mom never got down on my level and ever acknowledged anything, you know, just, of course, there are times where I'm just like, get out of my face, you're being dramatic, you know, but yeah. to get down on our child's level and just to look at them and say, what's going on? Okay, you're upset. It's okay to stay in this place of anger. You're not allowed to be destructive or be mean while we're right. angry, but the anger is okay. Take a deep breath, take a minute, talk through it. You know, we were never giving and given any acknowledgement or coping skills through any emotion. I mean, were you like, nope, it was just get out of my not face. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. Get a grip. Yep. Were you told to get a grip? <laughs> I was not told to get a grip. What was I told? I was told all kinds of things, but it was, it was more like, it was, if I'm having an emotion, she had that emotion bigger. And so, Ooh. right. It's like, I'm, I wasn't allowed to have that emotion because she was yeah. having that emotion bigger. And so it was like, yeah, it's a weird sort of thing. Like she was always ready with, well, if you're sad about this, well, I'm sad about this, 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 and this. So, you know, it was just never, never allowed to have emotions. Um, or, or if I did have emotions, she would literally bless her heart. <laughs> she would literally throw food at me. Like here, eat this, like here, eat this food. That'll make you feel better. It was crazy. And I didn't realize that was a thing until relatively recently. It will probably struggle to cope with that, you know, yeah. for a while as you're trying to heal. Like when we talk about healing emotionally, it feels kind of ethereal. It feels like outside of Love that the word. physical form, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. But really, but there is a physical component to healing oh, your brain 100%. from 100%. narcissistic abuse. You're literally breaking yes. down their yes. neural fibers and rebuilding them in other ways. That yes. creates some fatigue. That's going to create some yes. like you're, you're expending energy, rebuilding yes. your brain, literally. So true. so true. And at the same time, you somehow have to show up for your children. Yeah. Right. It's yep. like saying, okay, I'm healing from a broken leg and I've got to teach my kids how to play soccer. What's yeah. happening? Correct. <laughs> we're doing both at the same time. What are we doing? So literally yeah, not be perfect what is happening? It. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We're going to be bad at it a little bit. Yeah. And it's important when we notice that, oh, we shouldn't have said that. Oh, I could have yeah. done that better. The first right. thing we have to have tons of compassion. Like, yeah. of course you didn't kick that ball. Right. You still have a cast on your foot. Like, right. Let's That's such a beautiful perspective. Let's calm mm -hmm. down. <laughs> 
lots of compassion because we're dealing with a broken self image too. It's not like we're juggling these two things simultaneously with a really badass self-esteem and self-image. No, we're not. Mm -hmm. You know, we're completely broken emotionally. Our self-talk is completely messed up. I mean, mm-hmm. we're, we're, I was, I, I still struggle with being insecure and self-conscious and not good enough. And ah, it's a lot. But think about it. Think about it this way. If your mom were to call you up right now, I mean, obviously she probably won't be able to, cause she's no contact, but let's just pretend that your mom worked with a coach like me for like five years <laughs> and she healed herself. She takes full responsibility for everything she ever did. She calls you up and she says, Terry, I just want you to know, I love you no matter what. I acknowledge everything I ever did. I'm so sorry. I was not a great mother to you. And I don't know that I'll ever be able to make it up to you, but I just want you to know I'm here for you and I love you and you are precious and I love you no matter what. And there's nothing you can do that can make me stop loving you. But also I don't expect you to have a relationship with me. You're going to go live your life. And I'm just, I just want you to know that I'm sorry for everything I ever said or did. Would you like, how would you respond to that? Would you be like, you're a jerk, get out of my face. Or would, what would it be like for you if she ever did that? Such a good question. So I talk a lot about with my husband, um, the love languages, you know, the five languages of love. Yep. So my love language is number one is physical touch, but it's also, um, time, you know, time spent quality time. And I told my husband, I've been telling my husband since we got married, that words are shit to me. You know, my mother, True. my toxic no, family has misused words, has yeah. insulted me. Um, has said horrible things to me, has broken promises. So words are shit to me. Like if she called me right now and said all that, I'd be like, okay, well, like that's a good start. And it's so funny you brought this up because my friend, I've known her since our babies were like 18 months old and they're 23 now. Um, And we were talking and she, she even said that she was just like, yeah. Oh, cause I had told her that. Cause my mom actually called like six weeks ago. I did an episode on it and mm-hmm. she's like, yeah, th- that's nice. And I played her the message. She was like, there's first of all, there's nothing of substance in here. She said, but secondly, you would want to see consistency over time. Like fine, knock on my door, send me flowers, show me that you love me. Show me that you mean those words. Cause it, they mean nothing to me. They don't even pull at my heartstrings. Like they make me just like, I, I'm, maybe it's just cause I'm a cold bitch maybe, but like, no, it's not no, at all. It would it's do because you can't nothing. trust anything that yeah. like words, like words have no meaning because yeah. they didn't have any meaning when they were said to you. So, yeah. so I guess what I mean by that question is let's say she somehow did it and it was genuine and you felt it from her in a genuine way. Yeah. And you saw the consistency over time, like over 10 years, Yeah, you saw that she really did work on herself and she changed and she healed. I'm yeah. not saying that she will, like, I'm not saying have a fantasy about yeah, that, of course. but like, would you, you know what I'm saying? Like, I guess what I'm trying to say is, is your brain going to be like, never, I, I don't care what you do. 
with your life. I don't care how much you heal it. No. This is still never going to happen. Yeah. No, as much as I, I would like to say I would be a cold bitch. Um, you know, I believe, <laughs> I do believe in redemption and grace and change. And I know I am such a different version of myself than I even was 20 years ago. Um, so I mean, yeah, if I saw long-term genuine change, right. long -term of genuine. course I would be open to maybe not throwing my arms out completely and being like, let's go on vacation together, but right. for sure, possibly entering the, the low contact zone and then maybe entering the, you know, like the boundaries kind of testing the waters a little bit, you know, but, um, yeah, but I've just seen so much that I'm in the space that I am right now and been, been discarded so many times and I've seen the pattern. Um, oh, but, yeah. I mean, know, it's not I, mean I... To expect that. I don't think that's ever going to happen. But the reason why I create that experiment, it's a thought experiment because your brain will likely eventually, once you, she earns your trust, your brain will be able to go there and say, okay. Right. And, and even if you're in your forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, if that were to happen, there's that ability for your brain to be like, okay. And what I do that for is to show you that you can do that with your own brain. Like your brain can be sometimes really nasty to you mm -hmm. or you want to change and you want to be different. And your kids might have experience an imperfect parent. But if you show up and you say, Hey, I did that wrong. I yeah. messed up. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm owning it and I want you to know that it wasn't your fault, right? Yeah. That's more important than you having done it perfectly in mm. my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Right. So I agree. So that that's, so opening yourself up to that and saying, I'm not going to be perfect at this mm. and beating myself up is not going to help me be better at this. And so I know I'm going to mess it up, but it's not a problem because number one, I'm aware of it. And number two, I can go in and I can say, this was not okay. I'm going to do better. And yeah. tell me how you feel about yeah. what I said. Right. You know, say, say however you feel like it's, you're yes. safe to tell me whatever you're feeling right now about what I said or did to you. And that's, um, that's like the key difference exactly. in how our mothers raised yeah. us and how we're raising our kids, you know? Right. The, one of the key differences. Exactly. One of the key, you know, exactly. but you're right. It's, it's but that start that process in your yeah. brain. That's mm -hmm. interesting. That was really an, an interesting question and, and theory. Yeah. I feel the same way sometimes like with, with my mom, it's, it's so intense that I don't know that I would ever trust that she ever got better, you know, yeah. while she was still alive. And, and that's why, like, I try to do the work on my own brain to open myself up to that possibility if it ever does happen, because yeah. it's scary to ever open yourself <clears throat> up to somebody saying that they're healing, which you yeah. just can't trust that they are like, we really can't yeah. trust it. No, I but know. we have to be able to trust it for ourselves. Yeah. That's interesting. Least. That's really, really mm -hmm. interesting. Cause that's how we and break the cycle. Yeah. yeah, that's so, so powerful and beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Really, really empowering. 
Amazing. So I guess let's wrap it up with give me three things that you're going to do this year as far as your healing that you didn't do last year. Oh, what an amazing question. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I feel like so blessed right now with that question. Okay. You're so cute. <laughs> Number one is I'm going to, in 2024, be willing to feel things that I have been unwilling to feel. So I'm going to just go deeper into that journey of what am I unwilling to feel? So for example, I have a lot of big feelings about posting on Instagram. <laughs> I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you just show up every day and post every day the way that you do. It's amazing. Aww, I want to do that. You. But like I've got big feelings about it. I don't know why. So I'm Are they fuzzy? To... Are they wavy? They're not... Are they prickly? Right. Are they fuzzy? <laughs> I'm going to use that all the time now. I'm obsessed yes. with that. That's perfect. Thank you. I needed that. It's like, it's like a heavy What block. color is it's it? Like a, it's like dark gray. It's like oh. this heavy tungsten slab. Not on tungsten. Yes. That's no. how it feels when I go to post no. on Instagram. We need to make it beautiful and bright just like you. Oh, thank you. People need to see this. Even if you're just getting on for two seconds and they just see all of this. <laughs> this yes, joy right you. here. Yes. I need it. I need it. You're so right. You're so right. So it's like, if can I feel that heavy tungsten slab on my chest and press record or and press yes. post? Like, can yes. I do feel the feeling and do the thing. That's the one I want to work on. And, and in a lot yes. of other ways too, I'm working with my coach on my relationship with food and other things like in my business. And it's just like really going deeper into, I'm going to feel an uncomfortable feeling and take yeah, action anyway. Love it. Once you master that man, you're unstoppable when you can master I agree. that. So I I'm going to get better at that this year. Um, that's so I will use that to post more on Instagram. Yes, because people um, are missing out on this, on you, <laughs> for real. I mean, everybody can hear you on your podcast, but, you know, to see your sweet face and your nuggets of wisdom are, I mean, just this hour that we've recorded, you've got two years of content, I'm telling you. Just little nuggets yes. here and there. Wow. Thank you for saying that. You're right. I could just transcribe yes. this episode. And yes. just make like a year's work. Yeah. Let's just do that. I'll plan on doing that. <laughs> so I can't wait to see where we are. Should we do this again next year? Oh my gosh. I would love that. Let's, I feel like please, we should be an annual chat. I would love that. And we could just <laughs> talk about that. Wouldn't that be fun? You can officially be my first guest of the year every year Yay! because yes, I adore you. <laughs> oh my gosh. I I'll never you. forget. Yeah. You were so cute in your email. You were like, Laura, by the way, yeah, that's really my real last name. <laughs> oh, I know. I love it. Well, thank okay, you it's so official. every year. We'll do that. Every year. You are my guest. Every year. The first of the year. <laughs> Cheers. Yes. Clink. With Cheers. our ginger ale. Aaron. Yes. <laughs> I can't wait. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being so vulnerable and open. And you are a wealth of information. And to be able to sit there and get it out is a gift. 
you know, sometimes we can have all these yeah. things in our head, but then for you to actually sit there and have the strength to share it and have the wherewithal and the confidence and the intelligence, you're an amazingly intelligent and amazing, amazing, amazing person. So, um, oh gosh, tell everyone to you every day. This is amazing. Oh, <laughs> same, this every day. I like the, the, <laughs> The, seriously, the things that you said today, like I'm going to watch this back and write them down and put them on the wall. Amazing, oh, amazing epiphanies. Love I loved it. Um, so tell everyone where they can find you so I can link all of that information in the show notes. I like to hang out on Instagram, which I'll be posting more on. Yes. <laughs> Feel free to like comment on my page if you're like, did you post today, Laura? No, you don't have to do that. It's <laughs> no, at Laura Bywey, L-A-U-R-A-B-Y-T-H-E-W-A-Y. So like the prepositional phrase, Laura, by the way, <laughs> um, really easy. And I also have a website, laurabytheway.com. So that's where you can find even more cool stuff. And then my, my podcast is Postnarc Life, just P-O-S-T-N-A-R-C. I love it. People always get confused. They're like, post-narc. Well, were you into like drugs or something? I'm like, no, it's short for narcissist. Lord. I know, Jeez. I know. It's it's so frustrating, but I'm not gonna say narcissist like every time. It's gotta yeah. be narc because yeah. it's ridiculous. They can deal with it. It's all about changing and normalizing, right? So like Exactly. We'll redeem that word. It will be yes, we will. associated with narcissism and not narcotics. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, so, yeah. thank you for being here and taking the time. I know you have a busy household behind you and all of your babies and your husband. So thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Oh my gosh. Such a pleasure. Such an honor. Thank you. You're amazing. Thank you. Back at you, girl. Keep up the great work. Okay. You too. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers till next time, friends. Okay. Bye.